0: marie by h rider haggard this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain chapter 18 the treaty our journey to ungungundelovu was prosperous and without incident when we were within half a day's march from the great kraal we overtook the herd of cattle we had captured from sikengela for these beasts had been driven very slowly and well-rested that they might arrive in a good condition. Also, the commandant was anxious that we should present them ourselves to the king. Driving this multitude of animals before us—there were over five thousand head of them—we reached the great place on Saturday the 3rd of February, about midday, and forced them through its gates into the cattle kraals. Then we off-saddled and ate our dinner under those two milk-trees near the gate of the kraal, where I had bid good-bye to Dingan. After dinner, messengers came to ask us to visit the king, and with them the youth Thomas Halstead, who told the commandant that all weapons must be left behind, since it was a Zulu law that no man might appear before the king armed. To this Retief demurred, whereupon the messenger appealed to me, Whom they had recognised, asking if that were not the custom in their country. I answered that I had not been in it long enough to know. Then there was a pause while they sent for someone to bear evidence. At the time I did not know whom, as I was not near enough to Thomas Halstead to make inquiries. Presently this someone appeared and turned out to be none other than Hernan Pereira. He advanced towards us, attended by Zulus as though he were a chief looking fat and well and handsomer than ever seeing retief he lifted his hat with a flourish and held out his hand which i noted the commandant did not take so you are still here mynheer pereira he said coldly now be good enough to tell me what is the matter about the abandoning of our arms the king charges me to say began hernan charges you to say mynheer pereira are you then this black man's servant but continue that none must come to his private enclosure armed. Well then, mynheer, be pleased to go tell this king that we do not wish to come to his private enclosure. I have brought the cattle that he desired me to fetch, and am willing to deliver them to him wherever he wishes. But we will not unarm in order to do so. Now there was talk. Messengers were dispatched, who returned at full speed presently, to say that Dingan would receive the boers in the great dancing-place in the midst of the kraal, and that they might bring their guns, as he wished to see how they fired them. So we rode in, making as fine a show as we could, to find that the dancing-place, which measured a good many acres in extent, was lined round with thousands of plumed but unarmed warriors arranged in regiments. You see, I heard Pereira say to Retief, these have no spears no answered the commandant but they have sticks which when they are a hundred to one would serve as well meanwhile the vast mob of cattle were being driven in a double stream past a knot of men at the head of the space and then away through the gates behind when the beasts had all gone we approached these men among whom i recognised the fat form of dingaan draped in a bead mantle we ranged ourselves in a semicircle before him and stood while he searched us with his sharp eyes presently he saw me and sent a councillor to say that I must come and interpret for him so dismounting i went with retief thomas halstead and a few of the leading boers sacobuna good day macumazahn said dingaan i am glad you have come as i know you will speak my words truly being one of the people of george whom i love for thomas here i do not trust although he is also a son of george i told retief what he had said oh he exclaimed with a grunt it seems that you english are a step in front of us boers even here then he went forward and shook hands with the king whom it will be remembered he had visited before after that the indaba or talk began which i do not propose to set out at length for it is a matter of history it is enough to say that dingaan after thanking Retief for recovering the cattle, asked where was Sikonyela, the chief who had stolen them, as he wished to kill him. When he learned that Sikonyela remained in his own country, he became more affected to become angry. Then he asked where were the sixty horses which he heard we had captured from Sikonyela, as they must be given up to him. Retief, by way of reply, touched his grey hairs and inquired whether Dingan thought that he was a child. That he, dingaan, should demand horses which did not belong to him. He added that these horses had been restored to the boers from whom Sik and Yela had stolen them. When dingaan expressed himself satisfied with this answer, Retief opened the question of the treaty. The king replied, however, that the white men had but just arrived, and he wished to see them dance after their own fashion. As for the business, it might sit still till another day. So in the end the boers danced for his amusement, that is, they divided into two parties and charged each other at full gallop, firing their guns into the air, an exhibition which seemed to fill all present with admiration and awe. When they paused, the king wished them to go on firing a hundred shots apiece, but the commandant declined, saying he had no more powder to waste. What do you want powder for in a peaceful country? asked Dingaan suspiciously. Retief answered through me. To kill food for ourselves, or to protect ourselves, if any evil-minded men should attack us, then it will not be wanted here," said Dingaan. "Since I will give you food, and as I, the king, am your friend, no man in Zululand dare be your enemy." Retief said he was glad to hear it, and asked leave to retire with the Boers to his camp outside the gate, as they were all tired with riding. This Dingaan granted, and we said good-bye and went away. Before I reached the gate, however, a messenger-i remember it as my old friend Kambula overtook me and said that the king wished to speak with me alone. I answered him that I could not speak with the king alone without the permission of the commandant. Thereon Kambula said, Come with me, I pray you, O Macumazahn, since otherwise you will be taken by force. Now I told hans to gallop on to retief and tell him of my predicament, for already I saw that at some sign from Kambula I was being surrounded by Zulus he did so, and presently Retief came back himself, accompanied only by one man, and asked me what was the matter now. I informed him, translating Kambula's words, which he repeated in his presence. Does the fellow mean that you will be seized if you do not go, or if I refuse to allow you to do so? To this question, Kambula's answer was, that is so, Inkoos, since the king has private words for the ear of Macumazan therefore we must obey orders and take him before the king living or dead alamakti exclaimed retief this is serious and as though to summon them to my help he looked behind him towards the main body of the boers who by this time were nearly all of them through the gate which was guarded by a great number of zulus alan he went on if you are not afraid i think that you must go perhaps it is only that Dingaan has some message about the treaty to send to me through you i'm not afraid i answered what's the use of being afraid at a place like this ask that kaffir if the king gives you safe conduct said retief i did so and kambula answered yes for this visit who am i that i can speak the king's unspoken words which meant guarantee his will in the future a dark saying commented retief but go alan since you must and god bring you back safe again it is clear that dingan did not ask that you should come with me for nothing now i wish i had left you at home with that pretty wife of yours so we parted i going to the king's private enclosure on foot and without my rifle since i was not allowed to appear before him armed and the commandant towards the gate of the kraal accompanied by hans who led my horse Ten minutes later I stood before Dingan, who greeted me kindly enough, and began to ask a number of questions about the Boers, especially if they were not people who had rebelled against their own king, and run away from him. I answered yes, they had run away, as they wanted more room to live, but I had told him all about that when I saw him before. He said he knew I had, but he wished to hear whether the same words came out of the same mouth, or different words, so he might know if I were a true man or not. Then, after pausing a while, he looked at me in his piercing fashion and asked, "'Have you brought me a present of that tall white girl with eyes like two stars, Macumazahn? I mean the girl whom you refused me, and whom I could not take because you had won your bet, which gave all the white people to you, she for whose sake you make brothers of these Boers, who are traitors to their king.' no o dingaan i answered there are no women among us moreover this maid is now my wife your wife he exclaimed angrily by the head of the black one have you dared to make a wife of her whom i desired now say boy you clever watcher-by-night you little white who work in the dark and only peep out at the end of your tunnel when it is finished you wizard who by your magic can snatch his prey out of the hand of the greatest king in all the world for it was magic that killed those vultures on loma amabutu not your bullets macumazahn say why i should not make an end of you at once for this trick i folded my arms and looked at him a strange contrast we must have made this huge black tyrant with a royal air for well, to do him justice he had that at whose nod hundreds went the way of death and i a mere insignificant white boy for in appearance at any rate i was nothing more oh dingaan i said coolly knowing that coolness was my only chance i answer you in the words of the commandant retief the great chief do you take me for a child that i should give up my own life to you whom already have so many moreover you cannot kill me because i have the word of your captain kambula that i am safe with you this reply seemed to amuse him at any rate with one of those almost infantile changes of mood which are common to savages of every degree he passed from wrath to laughter you are quick as a lizard he said why should i who have so many wives want one more who would certainly hate me just because she is white and would make the others who are black jealous i suppose indeed they would poison her or pinch her to death in a month and then come tell me she had died of fretting also you are right you have my safe conduct and must go hence unarmed this time but look you little lizard although you escape me between the stones i will pull off your tail I have said that I want to pluck this tall white flower of yours and I will pluck her. I know where she dwells-yes, just where the waggon she sleeps in stands in the line, for my spies have told me, and I will give orders that whoever is killed she is to be spared and brought to me living. So perhaps you will meet this wife of yours here, macumazahn. Now, at these ominous words that might mean so much or so little, the sweat started to my brow and a shiver went down my back perhaps i shall and perhaps i shall not o king i answered the world is full of chances to-day as it was not long ago when i shot at the sacred vultures on Holoma amabutu still i think that my wife will never be yours o king oh said dingaan this little white ant is making another tunnel thinking he will come up at my back but what if i put down my heel and crush you little white ant do you know he added confidently that the Boer who mends my guns, and whom we here call Two-Faces, because he looks towards you whites with one eye, and towards us blacks with the other, is still very anxious that I should kill you. Indeed, when I told him that my spies said that you were to ride with the Boers, as I had requested that you should be their tongue, he answered that unless I promised to give you to the vultures, he would warn them against coming. Since I wanted them to come as I had arranged with him, I promised is it so o king i asked and pray why does this two-faces who we name pereira desire that i should be killed oh chuckled the obese old ruffian cannot you with all your cleverness guess that o perhaps it is he who needs the tall white maiden and not i perhaps if he does certain things for me i have promised her to him in payment and perhaps he added laughing quite loud i shall trick him after all keeping her for myself and paying him in another way for can a cheat grumble if he is out cheated? i answered that i was an honest man and knew nothing about cheats or what they could or could not grumble yes macumazahn replied dingaan genially that is where you and i are alike we are both honest quite honest and therefore friends which i can never be with these amabuna who as you and others have told me are traitors we play our game in the light like men and who wins, wins, and who loses, loses. Now hear me, Macumazan, and remember what I say. Whatever happens to others, whatever you may see, you are safe while I live. Dingaan has spoken. Whether I get the tall white girl or do not get her, still you are safe. It is on my head, and he touched the gum ring in his hair. And why should I be safe if others are unsafe, O oh King? I asked oh if you would know that ask a certain ancient prophet named zikali who was in this land in the days of senzangakuna my father and before then that is if you can find him also i like you who are not a flat-faced fool like the zamabuna but have a brain that turns in and out through difficulties as a snake does through reeds. and it would be a pity to kill one who can shoot birds wheeling high above him in the air which no one else can do so whatever you see and whatever you hear remember that you are safe, and should go safely from this land, or stay safely in it, if you will, to be my voice to speak with the sons of George. Now return to the commandant, and say to him that my heart is his heart, and that I am very pleased to see him here. Tomorrow, and perhaps the next day, I will show him some of the dances of my people, and after that I will sign the writing, giving him all the land he asks, and everything else he may desire, more than he can wish indeed. Hamburgalachi, and rising with surprising quickness from his chair which was cut out of a single block of wood he turned and vanished through the little opening in the reed fence behind him that led to his private huts as i was being conducted back to the boer camp by kambula who was waiting for me outside the gate of the labyrinth which is called isekoholo i met thomas halstead who was lounging about i think in order to speak with me Halting, I asked him straight out what the king's intentions were towards the Boers. "'Don't know,' he answered, shrugging his shoulders. "'But he seems so sweet to them that I think he must be up to mischief. "'He is wonderfully fond of you, too. "'For I heard him give orders that the word was to be passed through all the regiments "'that if anyone so much as hurt you, he should be killed at once. "'Also you were pointed out to the soldiers when you rode in with the rest, "'that they might, all of them, know you.' that's good for me as far as it goes i replied but i don't know why i should need special protection above others unless there is someone who wants to harm me there is that allan (laughs) quatermain the indunas tell me that the good-looking portuguese who they call two faces asks the king to kill you every time he sees him indeed i've heard him myself that's kind of him i answered but then Hernan pereira and i never got on tell me what is he talking about to the king when he isn't asking him to kill me oh no he said again something dirty i'll be bound one may be sure of that by the native name they have given him i think however he added in a whisper that he has a lot to do with the boers being allowed to come here at all in order to get their treaty signed at least one day when i was interpreting and dingaan swore that he would not give them more land than was enough to bury them in pereira told him that it didn't matter what he signed as what was written with the pen could be scratched out with a spear indeed and what did the king say to that oh he laughed and said that it was true and that he would give the boer commission all their people wanted and something over for themselves but don't you repeat that quartermain, for if you do and it gets to the ear of dingaan i shall certainly be killed and i say you're a good fellow and i won a big bet on you over that vulture shooting so i'll give you a bit of advice which you will be wise to take you get out of this country as soon as you can and go and look after that pretty Miss Moray, who you are sweet on. Dingan wants her, and what Dingan wants he gets in this part of the world. Then, without waiting to be thanked, he turned and disappeared among the crowd of Zulus who were following us from curiosity, leaving me to wonder whether or no Dingan was right when he called this young man a liar. His story seemed to tally so well with that told by the king himself, that on the whole, I thought he was not just after i had passed the main gateway of the great town where his office done, Cambula saluted and left me i saw two white men engaged in earnest conversation beneath one of the milk-trees which as i think i have already mentioned grow or grew there they were henry marais and his nephew catching sight of me marais walked off but pereira advanced and spoke to me although warned perhaps by what had happened to him in the case of retief I am glad to say he did not offer me his hand. "'Good day to you, Alan,' he said effusively. "'I have just heard from my uncle that I have to congratulate you—about Marie, I mean. And believe me, I do so with all my heart.' Now, as he spoke these words, remembering what I had just heard, my blood boiled in me. but I thought it wise to control myself, and therefore only answered, thank you. "'Of course,' he went on, "'we have both striven for this prize. But, as it has pleased God that you should win it, why, I am not one to bear malice. I am glad to hear it, I replied. I thought perhaps you might be. Now tell me to change the subject. How long will Dingan keep us here? Oh, two or three days at most. You see, Alan, luckily I have been able to persuade him to sign the treaty about the land without further trouble. So as soon as that is done, you can all go home. The commandant will be very grateful to you, I said, but what are you going to do?' i do not know Allan. you see i am not a lucky fellow like yourself with a wife waiting for me i think that perhaps i shall stop here a while i see a way of making a great deal of money out of these zulus and having lost everything upon that delagoa bay trek i want money we all do i answered especially if we are starting in life so when it is convenient to you to settle your debts i shall be glad oh have no fear he exclaimed with sudden lightening up of his dark face i will pay you what i owe you every farthing with good interest thrown in the king has just told me that that is your intention i remarked quietly looking him full in the eyes then i walked on leaving him staring after me apparently without a word to say i went straight to the hut that was allotted to retief in the little outlying guard kraal, which had been given to us for a camp here i found the commandant seated on a kaffir stool engaged in painfully writing a letter using a bit of board placed on his knees as a desk. He looked up and asked me how I had got on with Dingan, not being sorry, as I think, of an excuse to pause in his clerical labours. "'Listen, Commandant,' I said, and speaking in a low voice, so as not to be overheard. I told him every word that had passed in the interviews I had just had with Dingan, with Thomas Halstead, and with Pereira. He heard me out in silence, then said— this is a strange, ugly story, Alan, and if it is true, Pereira must be an even bigger scoundrel than I thought him. But I can't believe that it is true. I think that Dingaan has been lying to you for his own purposes-i mean about the plot to kill you. Perhaps, commandant, I don't know, and I don't much care, but I am sure that he was not lying when he said he meant to steal away my wife either for himself or Pereira. What then do you intend to do, Alan? I intend, commandant, with your permission, to send hans, my after rider, back to the camp with a letter for Marie, telling her to remove herself quietly to the farm I have chosen down on the river, of which I told you, and there to lie hid till I come back. I think it needless, Alan. Still, if it will ease your mind, do so, since I cannot spare you to go yourself. Only you must not send this Hottentot, who would talk and frighten the people. I am dispatching a messenger to the camp to tell them of our safe arrival and good reception by Dingan. He can take your letter in which i order you to say to your wife that if she and the Prince Luce and the mayers go to this farm of yours they are to go without talking just as though they wanted a change that is all have the letter ready by dawn to-morrow as i trust mine may be he added with a groan i shall be ready commandant but what about hernan pereira and his tricks this about the accursed hernan pereira exclaimed retief striking the writing board with his fist On the first opportunity, I will myself take the evidence of Dingan and of the English lad Halstead. If I find they tell me that the same story they have told you, I will put Pereira on his trial, as I threatened to do before, and should he be found guilty, by God, I will have him shot. But for the present, it is best to do nothing except keep an eye on him, lest we should cause fear and scandal in the camp, and after all, not prove the case. Now go and write your letter and leave me to write mine.' So I went and wrote, telling Marie something but by no means all that I have set down. I bade her and the Prince Luce and the Myers, if they would accompany her, as I was sure they would, move themselves off at once to the farm I had beaconed out thirty miles away from the Bushman's River, under the pretense of seeing how the houses that were being built there were getting on. Or, if they would not go, I bade her go alone with a few Hottentot servants, or any other companion she could find. This letter I took to Retief and read it to him. At my request, he also scrawled at the foot of it. I have seen the above and approve it. Knowing all the story which may be true or false, do as your husband bids you, but do not talk of it in the camp except to those whom he mentions. Pieter Retief. So the messenger departed at dawn, and in due course delivered my letter to Marie the next day was sunday in the morning i went to call upon the reverend mr owen the missionary who was very glad to see me he informed me that dingaan was in a good mind towards us and had been asking him if he would write the treaty ceding the land which the boers wanted i stopped for service at the huts of mr owen and then returned to the camp in the afternoon dingaan celebrated a great war dance for us to witness in which about twelve thousand soldiers took part It was a wonderful and awe-inspiring spectacle, and I remember that each of the regiments employed had a number of trained oxen which manoeuvred with them, apparently at given words of command. We did not see Dingan that day except at a distance, and after the dance was over, returned to our camp to eat the beef which he had provided for us in plenty. On the third day, that was Monday, the 5th of February, there were more dancings and sham fights. So many more, indeed, that we began to weary of this savage show. Late in the afternoon, however, Dingan sent for the commandant and his men to come and see him, saying that he wished to talk to him about the matter of the treaty. So we went, but only three or four of whom I was one were admitted to Dingan's presence. The rest remaining at a little distance where they could see us, but were out of earshot. Dingan then produced a paper which had been written by the Reverend Mr. Owen this document which i believe still exists for it is found afterwards was drawn up in legal or semi-legal form beginning like a proclamation know all men it ceded the place called port natal together with all the land annexed that is to say from tugela to the umzimvubu river westward and from the sea to the north to the boers for their everlasting property at the king's request as the deed was written in english by mr owen i translated it to him And afterwards, the lad Halstead translated it. Also, being called in to do so when I had finished, this was done that my rendering might be checked, and the fact impressed itself on all the Boers very favourably. It showed them that the King desired to understand exactly what he was to sign, which would not have been the case had he intended any trick or proposed to cheat them afterwards. From that moment forward, Retief and his people had no further doubts as to Dingan's good faith in this matter. And foolishly relaxed all precautions against treachery. When the translating was finished, the commandant asked the king if he would sign the paper then and there. He answered no, he would sign it on the following morning before the commission returned to Natal. It was then that Retief inquired of Dingaan through Thomas Halstead whether it was a true story which he had heard that the boer called Pereira who had been staying with him and whom the Zulus knew by the name of Two-Faces, had again asked him, Dingan, to have me, Allan Quatermain, whom they call Macumazan, killed. Dingan laughed and answered. Yes, that's true enough, for he hates this Macumazan. But let the little white son of George have no fear, since my heart is soft towards him, and I swear by the head of the Black One that he shall come to no harm in Zululand. Is he not my guest as you are? He went on to say that if the commandant wished it, he would have two faces seized and killed because he had dared to ask for my life. Retief answered that he would look into that matter himself, and after Thomas Halstead had confirmed the king's story as to Pereira's conduct, he rose and said goodbye to Dingan. Of this matter of Hernan Pereira, Retief said little as we went back to the camp outside the kraal, though the little that he did say showed his deep anger. When we arrived at the camp, however, he sent for Pereira and Moray and several of the older Boers. I remember that among these were Gerrit Bothmer, Sr., Hendrik Le boschne and Matis Pretorius Sr., all of them persons of standing and judgment. I also was ordered to be present. When Pereira arrived, chief charged him openly with having plotted my murder, and asked him what he had to say. Of course, his answer was a flat denial, and an accusation against me of having invented the tale because we had been at enmity over a maiden whom i had since married then mynheer pereira said retief as allan quatermain here has won the maiden who is now his wife it would seem that his cause of enmity must have ceased whereas yours may well have remained however i have no time to try cases of the sort now but i warn you that this one will be looked into later on when we get back to natal whither i shall take you with me and that meanwhile an eye is kept on you and what you do. Also I warn you that I have evidence for all that I say. Now be so good as to go, and keep out of my sight as much as possible, for I do not like a man whom these kaffirs name two faces. As for you, friend Henry Marais, I tell you that you would do well to associate yourself less with one whose name is under a dark cloud, although he may be your own nephew, whom all know you love blindly so far as i recollect neither of them made any answer to this direct speech they simply turned and went away but on the next morning that of the fatal sixth of february when i chanced to meet the commandant retief as he was riding through the camp making arrangements for our departure to natal he pulled up his horse and said alan hernan pereira is gone and henry marais with him and for my part i am not sorry for doubtless we shall meet again, in this world or the next, and find out all the truth. Here, read this and give it back to me afterwards. And he threw me a paper and rode on. I opened the folded sheet and read as follows, to the Commandant Retief, Governor of the Emigrant Boers. Mynheer Commandant, I will not stay here where such foul accusations are laid on me by black kaffirs and the Englishman Allan Quatermain who, like all his race, is an enemy of us Boers, and, although you do not know it, a traitor who is plotting great harm against you with the Zulus. Therefore I leave you, but I am ready to meet every charge at the right time before a proper court. My uncle, Henry Marais, comes with me, as he feels that his honour is also touched. Moreover, he has heard that his daughter Marie is in danger from the Zulus, and returns to protect her, which he who is called her husband neglects to do. Alan Quatermain, the Englishman, who is the friend of Dingan, to explain what I mean, for he knows more about the Zulu plans than I do, as you will find out before the end. Then followed the signatures of Hernan Pereira and Henry Murray. I put the letter in my pocket, wondering what might be its precise meaning, and in particular that of the absurd and undefined charge of treachery against myself. It seemed to me that Pereira had left us, he was afraid of something, either that he might be placed upon his trial, or of some ultimate catastrophe in which he would have been involved. Marais had probably gone with him for the same reason that a bit of iron follows a magnet, because he could never resist the attraction of this evil man, his relative by birth. Or perhaps he had learned from him the story of his daughter's danger, upon which I had already acted, and was really anxious about her safety. for it must always be remembered, that Marais loved Marie passionately, however ill the reader of this history may think that he behaved to her. She was his darling, the apple of his eye, and her great offence in his sight was that she cared for me more than she did for him. That is one of the reasons why he hated me as much as he loved her. Almost before I had finished reading this letter, the order came that we were to go in a body to bid farewell to Dingan leaving our arms piled beneath the two milk-trees at the gate of the town most of our after-riders were commanded to accompany us i think because retief wished to make as big a show as possible to impress the zulus a few of these hottentots however were told to stay behind that they might collect the horses that were knee-haltered and grazing at a distance and saddle them up among these was hans for as it chanced i saw and sent him with the others so that i might be sure that my own horses would be found and made ready for the journey just as we were starting i met the lad william wood who had come down from the mission huts where he lived with mr owen and was wandering about with an anxious face how are you william i asked not very well mr quatermain he answered the fact is he added with a burst of confidence i feel queerly about you all the Kaffirs have told me that something is going to happen to you and i think you ought to know it i daren't say any more and he vanished into the crowd At that moment I caught sight of Retief riding to and fro and shouting out orders. Going to him, I caught him by the sleeve, saying, Commandant, listen to me. Well, what is it now, nephew? he asked absently. I told him what Wood had said, adding that I was also uneasy. I did not know why. Oh, he answered with impatience, this is all hailstones and burnt grass, meaning that one would melt and the other would blow away, or in our English idiom, stuff and rubbish why are you always trying to scare me with your fancies alan dingan is our friend not our enemy so let us take the gifts that fortune gives us and be thankful come march this he said about eight o'clock in the morning we strolled through the gates of the great kraal most of the Boers, who as usual had piled their arms under the two milk trees lounging along in knots of four or five laughing and chatting as they went I have often thought since, that although every one of them there except myself was doomed within an hour to have taken the dreadful step from time into eternity, it seemed strange that advancing fate should have thrown no shadow on their hearts. On the contrary, they were quite gay, being extremely pleased at the successful issue of their mission, and at the prospect of an immediate return to their wives and children. Even Retief was gay, for I heard him joking with his companions about myself and my white bread week or honeymoon which he said was drawing very near as we went i noticed that most of the regiments who had performed the great military dances before us on the previous day were gone two however remained the Ishalangu in lopi that is the white shields who were a corps of veterans wearing the ring on their head and the Ishalangu Umiyama, that is the black shields who were all of them young men without rings the white shields were ranged along the fence of the great open place to our left and the black shields were similarly placed to our right each regiment numbering about fifteen hundred men except for their kerries and dancing sticks they were unarmed presently we reached the head of the dancing ground and found dingan seated in his chair two of his great indunas umahila and tambusa squatting on either side of him Behind him, standing in and about the entrance to the labyrinth through which the King had come, were other Indunas and captains. On arriving in front of Dingam, we saluted him, and he acknowledged the salutation with pleasant words and smiles. Then Retief, two or three of the other Boers, Thomas Halstead and I, went forward, whereon the treaty was produced again and identified as the same document we had seen on the previous day. At the foot of it, someone, I forget who, wrote in Dutch, de merk van kooning dingaan that is the mark of king dingaan in the space left between the words merk and van dingaan made a cross with a pen that was given to him thomas halstead holding his hand and showing him what to do after this three of his indunas or great councillors who were named Nwara, uliwana and manondo testified as witnesses for the zulu and m ooshoesen a c grayling and b j Liebenberg, were standing nearest to Retief as witnesses for the Boers. This done, Dingan ordered one of his isibongos, or praisers, to run up to and fro in front of the regiments and others there assembled, and proclaim that he had granted Natal to the Boers to be their property forever, information which the Zulus received with shouts. Then Dingan asked Retief if he would not eat, and large trenches of boiled beef were brought out and handed round this however the boers refused saying they had already breakfasted thereupon the king said at least they must drink and pots of twala or kaffir beer were handed round of which all the boers partook while they were drinking dingan gave retief a message to the dutch farmers to the effect that he hoped they would soon come and occupy natal which henceforth was their country also black-hearted villain that he was that they would have a pleasant journey home Next he ordered the two regiments to dance and sing war-songs, in order to amuse his guests. This they began to do, drawing nearer as they danced. It was at this moment that a Zulu appeared, pushing his way through the captains who were gathered at the gate of the labyrinth, and delivered some message to one of the Indunas, who in turn passed it on to the king. "'How is it so?' said the king, with a troubled look. Then his glance fell on me as though by accident, and he added, one of my wives is taken very ill suddenly, and says she must have some of the medicine of the white man before they go away. Now you tell me that you are a new married man, so I can trust you with my wives. I pray you to go and find out what medicine it is that she needs, for you can speak our tongue." I hesitated, then translated what he had said to Retief. "'You best go, nephew,' said the commandant, "'but come back quickly, for we ride at once.' Still I hesitated not liking this business, whereon the king began to grow angry. What, he said, do you white men refuse me this little favour when I have just given you so much? You who have wonderful medicines that can cure the sick. Go, Alan, go, said Retief, when he understood his words, or you will grow cross and everything may be undone. So having no choice, I went through the gateway into the labyrinth. The next moment men pounced on me, and before I could utter a word, a cloth was thrown over my mouth, tied tight behind my head i was a prisoner and gagged end of chapter eighteen